Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson, and today I'm joined by Dr. Tim Jackson. Dr. Tim is a doctor of physical therapy and orthopedic rehabilitation and a functional medicine provider. He holds a BS degree in health science and chemistry from Wake Forest University, and he serves his clients in over 15 countries through his telehealth practice at healyourbody.org where he's helped thousands over the past eight years. Our conversation today is about the two reasons you may still feel unwell. We're talking about the all-important oxygen and mycotoxin toxicity. Join us to learn how they may be playing a role in your symptoms and what you can do about it. Dr. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Julie. I really appreciate it. So you have an interesting story that got you into this world of functional medicine. Interesting in that to me, from where I sit, you're brilliant because so many people come on the podcast and for most of us, it was, you know, our healing journey, but a lot of the docs that, that, you know, they, they started down the allopathic road and then figured out that that wasn't serving them or their patients the way they wanted to. So share a little bit of your story with us. How did you get to functional medicine? How did this become of interest to you? Yeah. So I went to undergrad uh, with the intentions of becoming a traditional allopathic medical doctor. And while in undergrad, you know, I started exercising, got interested in nutrition, started eating healthier And I did a lot of preceptorships and volunteer work at the Wake Forest University School of Medicine. And, you know, one of the residents pulled me aside one day and he said, you know, clearly you're smart enough to go to an MD program, but you're probably better off just getting a ticket to play the game. He said, just get a doctorate in something in healthcare. And so that uh, was my first motivation. And my second motivation was I had very horrific jaw surgery my senior year in undergrad. And that caused a lot of things that my body had been able to control and suppress, they started to surface. And so I had, you know, severe candida overgrowth, heavy metal toxicity. I've had Lyme. I've had Babesia bartonella, mold toxicity. And so, you know, it each sort of added a layer to my healing journey. Absolutely. I'm familiar with the multi-layer healing journey for sure. And and so, wow. So you just early on, then you realized that the, you know, allopathic medical training wasn't going to kind of feed you and with the knowledge in those areas. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I could turn my head and, you know, just pretend not to listen for four years, but then if you have to do a residency after that, you know, you can't practice the way you want to. And if you do, you get slapped on the risk or wrist and, you know, it's just not a pretty picture. So. Well, kudos to you. I, I, you know, the, you're an early adopter in that you didn't see the need to take the wrong path. 
to begin with. And I know that you've made such a contribution in this oh. space. And so, you know, lucky for well, everybody you. That, that you just knew which direction to go in. Thank you so much. So I want to talk about this, you know, two reasons you still don't feel well. Let's get into what are these two areas of health that, that are blocking healing for people? So one, you know, most people think of or glutathione as the body's most important molecule. And it's extremely important as an antioxidant. But the most critical substance for our entire bodies is oxygen. And so if we don't breathe correctly, you know, then we're not, every cell in our body is going to be starved. And all the functions that are supposed to take place biochemically, physiologically, they won't occur. And so over the past several uh, generations and even centuries, you know, we've become more vertical growers, meaning our skulls grow vertically. And you need some of that, but you also need to grow horizontally. And so your maxilla, it should be wider than your mandible. And when it's not, that concept is called centric relations, where they take the lower jaw, the mandible, and they bring it up and back. But when you do that, it reduces the real estate for your tongue. And so then you start to have difficulty breathing during the day, but also at night. And sometimes, I mean, you can get a true sleep study where you have to go into the hospital done, but the best sleep study, you can get a ring that you wear on your thumb. And yeah. And so this is a little bit different than the aura ring. This is specifically for sleep studies, but it gives you all the data that you need, you know, without being woken up. And that will tell you right there if you're even borderline uh, hypoxic. And so a lot of people think that, you know, you have to be obese or overweight to have issues with breathing. But I mean, that can certainly exacerbate it, but you can be extremely thin and lean and have airway issues. And so the three hallmark signs are number one, snoring. Number two, lack of feeling rested upon awakening and three acid reflux the trifecta and one of the i mean so everyone knows oxygen is important for the body but the other thing to remember is that the nerve that feeds the face the trigeminal nerve has three branches it sends information to the same nucleus in the spinal column as the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve, when we activate it, it increases our parasympathetic tone. Parasympathetic portion of the autonomic nervous system is rest and digest or feed and breed. And so all healing takes place in a parasympathetic state. And when you have a trigeminal nerve that's impinged upon because of jaw, TMJ issues, jaw misalignment, then your autonomic nervous system can never function optimally or even well. Which is so amazing. I, I, so I didn't really know where you were going to go with our interview today. And I'm so excited because so far you've already given such amazing gold. I've had people say, well, I went in for a sleep study and they didn't find anything. And I'm like, well, did you sleep? No. 
okay, well, <laughs> let's do a home sleep study then. And, and I can tell you those three things, the snoring, and oftentimes, especially if somebody lives alone, I'll hear, no, I don't snore. Fine. If you don't think you snore or your partner doesn't complain that you snore, that's fine. Almost everybody I ask, you know, do you feel rested when you wake up? The answer is no, of course it's not. You're not getting enough oxygen and the acid reflux is so common. I can tell you that everybody I've sent, that we've sent in for a sleep study or ordered a sleep study for has had some form of apnea to some degree. And I love that you, you know, what is more important than oxygen? Nothing, absolutely nothing. And so everything from cognition to anxiety or increased anxiety, trouble with blood pressure and hypertension, arrhythmias, uh, you know, the cerebral uh, ischemia or lack of blood flow to the brain, all that is impacted by your jaw alignment. And so, you know, early, you want to intervene as early as possible, but at the same time, it's never too late. And so, you know, the first appliance I have people get brings the mandible down and forward. And then the second one usually happens about 18 months later, that helps expand the maxilla, the upper jaw. And so, you know, the, one of the dentists I collaborate with who helped develop the device when he's lecturing to other dentists, the first thing he tells them, especially the orthodontist is forget about the teeth. Teeth are always going to be secondary to an airway. Mm. And I remember as, as a kid, you, you can see me (laughs) for those listening on audio. Maybe you've not ever seen me, but I have a narrow face. It's not a mystery. If you look at me, you probably can guess I can probably use that. Not that I have apnea at this time, but it doesn't matter. But I remember as a kid and I'm older than you. So this, you know, the devices back then were not as kind or, you know, technologically advanced as they are now. But I remember being so grateful that I didn't quote unquote need a palate expander. I know I had some friends with a palate expander. Now here I am in my fifties thinking, wow, it would have been so good <laughs> if they had given me a palate expander back then, because I, I have no idea or no idea. I have no question if I were to head to an orthodontist right now, they would be like, wow, we need to open your job for sure. So uh, my colleague who sold his dental practice at the age of 47, went back and did an entire residency and airway health, you know, orthodontists, when they put people in braces, it's kind of the analogy he gives is it's like a dermatologist who goes to inject filler into your nasolabial folds and they see a melanoma, but they inject anyways, that would be malpractice. And that's what orthodontists are doing when they bring the jaw up and back, that is reducing the real estate for your tongue. And that's bad bueno. Yeah, it's it's definitely not good. So when with the the patients you're treating and the people that you're seeing, I mean, can there be apnea with a proper structure? So it's theoretically possible, but it's extremely unlikely. Okay. And so, you know, we have to remember that optimal is very different than quote unquote normal. Yes. And so like 
the person you mentioned who said the sleep study didn't show anything, you know, they never, you know, unless it's just your O2 sats go down to like 60, but everything below that, you know, you're actually at more risk because you're not getting treatment and you're going to have hypertension. You never get deep sleep. So you never can detoxify because if you think about it, if you get chased by a tiger, that's stressful to your nervous system. What if you choke 25, 35 times a night? Sure. You know? And yeah. if you look at the people who are the best athletes in the world and the people we consider the most attractive, mm -hmm. they have wide maxilla. Yep. Absolutely. And we have not evolved away from that. <laughs> no. That's fascinating. I, I love that. So that's number one, oxygen. Yes. Number two, mycotoxins. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, mold colleague first handed me Dr. Shoemaker's book, Mold Warriors back in 2009. And, you know, I've evolved the way I address mold and mycotoxins, you know, over that time, but mycotoxins literally disrupt every function in your body because your mitochondria that produce energy. And we have to remember that we need energy for digestion to think, not just to run or jump. And so the mitochondria, they can either be in a state where they produce energy or in a defensive mode. And that defensive mode is referred to as the cell danger response. And mold is probably the most common activator of the cell danger response. And so when the mitochondria aren't producing enough energy, the brain and the heart will be impacted the most because they consume the most energy. Which people don't think of, like you said, it's like, it's not about running. It's about running your systems. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know. And, you know, a lot of the mitochondrial supplements, you know, you might think would be stimulating and keep you up. But, you know, sleep is a very energy dependent process. So if your mitochondria are working better, you should sleep better. Absolutely. I actually do a lot to try to support my mitochondria. And I was just <laughs> was making my little supplement packs for the next week or so yesterday. And, and thinking about that, because people don't, you know, they'll be like, but isn't that for energy? And I'm like, well, it's for cellular energy. And I, right. I need that as somebody with less than optimal detox pathways. I joke, I call myself a collector. You know, I want to make sure that systems are running the best they can while I'm sleeping for sure. And that's why, you know, a lot of people who start taking um, supplements or doing therapies and treatments to improve their cellular energy production, they feel like they're reacting negatively to the therapy. But in reality, when you start to increase mitochondrial energy output, you're going to start to detoxify. Right. Your immune system is going to go after pathogens. Well, because it can, it has the resources yeah. all of a sudden to do it. Let's dig in a little bit. Let, let's talk about mycotoxins. What are, you know, how are we getting exposed? Why is this such a gem? You already touched on why it's such a problem for our bodies, but why are the numbers of, you know, mycotoxin illness or, so many people are actually walking around ill and have no idea that that's one of the drivers. What, what's going on? Why are we so exposed? Yeah. So mycotoxins themselves technically aren't the problem. So if you went to the Amazon forest, you're going to be exposed to dozens of types of mold and mycotoxins. 
but it won't bother you most likely. And that's because, you know, here, especially in the United States, buildings now are built to be more energy efficient. So you don't get a good exchange of indoor and outdoor air. And when you get one or two mycotoxins inside and there's not a good air exchange, those mycotoxins start to proliferate. And it's just like the bacteria in your gut. You can have too much of one genus or species, and that will push out the other good species. And so, you know, we have to be mindful of that. The other thing is non-native EMFs, so electromagnetic fields. That makes the mold feel like it's being attacked. And when they feel like they're being attacked, they produce more mycotoxins. Ah, that I did not know. And that makes me, sometimes I, I think people, even people in functional medicine kind of look at me like I'm over the top. And so I'm thrilled for all the little things that I try to do to mitigate. Obviously we're on computers right now, you know, but any little place, you know, I shut my Wi-Fi, my routers off at night. I, I try to limit my exposure. Again, I live on this planet in this time. I'm not avoiding exposure, but I had no idea about that. And that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Dr. Klinghart was the one who showed that many years ago. That combo, right? I live in a newer home and that's that. I'm so glad you touched on that. But as people say that to me all the time, oh, I I can't have mold exposure. I live in a new home. And I'm like, oh, you live in a new airtight. (laughs) Uh, But that makes, I mean, so think of we're in our homes and then we've already created a problem. A, if it's a newer home and older homes have their own problems because they're flooded with mycotoxins for different Mm -hmm. reasons. And then we're throwing those EMFs in there constantly. And if you think about it, when they put a new home up or a new apartment or condo building, you know, they put the framework up and they may not come back to that job site for two or three weeks. In the meantime, you know, it's going to rain multiple times. So you're already starting off with a foundation and a framework that's conducive to mold growth. Absolutely. I drove my GC crazy on this job. And again, I don't care. I'm like, that's fine. It's my home. Y'all can think, you know, I, I remember even with the, not that this is direct really, but it is, it's about being controlling where you can. The electrician basically literally called me crazy because I said, I just wanted incandescent lights in the house. And well, we don't, we don't do that anymore. I'm like, well, that that's, you do here though. Cause <laughs> this is what that's I what want. You need. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it is it is such a, a widespread problem. I want to touch on, so people think of mold in the home. And, and I think a lot of people still to this day think visible black mold, right? Mold that mm-hmm. they know they have and they've been ignoring. Tell us a little more about, you know, it, it, you just touched on, right? It can be in the, it, it could even be in the framing, but how common is it that, that people have mold that they're not even aware of? I don't think there's been more than one person I've tested in the past seven or eight years who didn't have uh, an extreme amount of mycotoxins. Yeah. And sometimes, so when you do these tests, you have to provoke the mycotoxins. Right. So something like an infrared sauna session some liposomal glutathione, or even go to a clinic and get a glutathione push. 
But these mycotoxins, you know, they're extremely dangerous because, you know, with homes, like you said, we think of black mold and people say, oh, I don't have black mold. You know, there's no visible mold. But most species of mold you can't see with the human eye. Right. And the mold isn't what's making you sick anyway. (laughs) That's the, the kicker. Right. And so the mold, you know, can produce mycotoxins. It can and does produce mycotoxins. And, you know, the different types of mold, one that I'll mention that's very common, aspergillus. Mm-hmm. And all the one common thread that all mycotoxins have is they negatively impact the immune system. And they do other things. They block mitochondrial health. They block the NRF2 pathway. So detoxification is blocked. They slow down, you know, the mitochondria. So that's going to affect the heart, the brain. And so I've had patients and clients who own multi-million dollar homes. And, you know, they think that they can't have mold because the house costs a lot. But the mold didn't get that memo. The mold doesn't know anything about that. <laughs> it does and not so, differentiate. Yeah. You know, I'm personally more focused on the health of a home you know, and putting the right structures in the right place. Because right now, the court systems in most states don't recognize mold as a problem. And so until contractors are held liable, we won't be able to get better structures. That is so, so true. So how how can most of my listeners have been diagnosed with autoimmunity or they they think they have it or they have a loved one who has it? And they may not have ever even explored the mycotoxin pathway and or other toxins, which is a shame. And that goes back to allopathic medicine, not taking the same approach that we do. But how do we know? Like, how do we know if we have these issues? So I would say the more systems and bizarre, so the more systems involved and the more bizarre symptoms you have. Um, you know, test for mold, but mold, it can be a direct contributor or an indirect contributor, but it's certainly worth testing, especially if you've lived in the Southeastern United States, but even in the Northeast and Midwest, because you have increased precipitation without uh, evaporation. And so that can seep into the foundation. And so I think it's worth doing a urine mycotoxin test. There's several labs that offer them. You just want to make sure you provoke the mycotoxins and then you address them slowly. So if you've been taking you know, a high quality probiotic and you haven't noticed a difference, it could be because mycotoxin. So when I see mycotoxins, that changes the order in which I do everything. Because if you don't address those first, taking a probiotic, and things like that, it won't hurt you, but you won't really receive the benefit. That is such amazing advice. And the the one thing I want to highlight that you said, the more symptoms and the more bizarre, the more systems involved and the more bizarre the symptoms is, and, and I try not to be one of those people that sees mycotoxins everywhere. But like you said, I've never had, that's not true. I have one client whose panel was beautiful. And it wasn't just mycotoxins, all of her toxins, and it was provoked. And I said, I was like, I was jumping. I like, how did you, you know, how can, and she lives in Texas. I was like, how yeah. can, how can this be? And she laughed. She goes, 
I've been working on this for 20 years. It should, you know, it should be clean. She was, she was proud, but other, so literally that's one person, everybody else that I've tested definitely, you know, has above acceptable levels of mycotoxins and they're definitely playing a role. Mm -hmm. But even here in Colorado, which is, you know, supposed to be so dry. When I moved here 20 years ago, I remember we were put, we had a house we put under contract and we wanted a mold inspection and they were like, and of course we were coming from South Florida. So, um, but literally they said like, you know, this is Colorado. We don't have mold here. And no, not true. We do. Right. And you and I, we're talking about our homes, but it can be your workplace, your car, the school, you know, so many of our schools are older and moldy. So it's, it doesn't have to be in your home. Yeah. And, and I, with some of us, people like me, it, it could be, it could be a past exposure that you're just, you're not clearing. Yeah. So when I get someone's urine mycotoxins results back, you know, if they're elevated, I tell them, I can't say how, you know, that 70% of this is due to your current home, 20% due to your former office. So we need to make sure that those things are clear because otherwise we're just treading water and wasting resources. We only want to start to detoxify when we make sure the re-exposure is not constantly happening. And the second thing that can happen with mycotoxins is they colonize different areas of the body. So you may not be getting exposed anymore, but if they colonize like in the paranasal sinuses, which is extremely common, they're basically using the pituitary gland as a punching bag. When? You know, so that affects hormonal production and affects many, many areas of the body. Which, you know, then the hormones run everything else. Touched on, I want to highlight, you use probiotic as the example. If we're taking supplements and they're not doing any good, is, is that one of the indicators of like, hmm. <laughs> that and sympathetic dominance. So, you know, we talked about the jaw and how that influences parasympathetic versus sympathetic dominance. But if you're in a fight or flight state, it's very hard to detoxify, to heal, you know, to have any restorative sort of functions take place. Well, okay. So that's a lot. And, and I don't, I, you know, this is the inspired living podcast, right? We don't, I don't want people to feel overwhelmed, hopeless, and depressed. What can we oh, do? No. What are what are some steps we can take? I know you you said test, but you know, yeah, beyond that. Yes. So, you know, if you already have a house that's built, uh, number one, you want at the very minimum, you want to have the air ducts clean twice a year. Okay. So that's something that regardless of whether you have mold or you don't, because it the mold could have colonized in the air ducts. And so when you have a home testing company come out. You want to make sure they use multiple testing methods. Air sampling, like the little dishes, Petri dishes you get at Lowe's and Home Depot, they're accurate for massive, massive quantities of mold. But you can still have a positive home or building or office or car and, you know, it not show up on an air sample. And so having a camera that can look behind the walls for increased condensation and down into the duct work is extremely important. 
And so that's one thing. Number two, something that's pretty inexpensive and that works very well is a product called Home Biotic. And it's a probiotic for the air. I have no affiliation with the company, but I like to inform people about great products. And at the very least, you know, it's not a huge investment, so you're not going to be wasting a bunch of money. But behind me, and I also have no affiliation with this company, but the Air Doctor, you know, I've used multiple types of high-end air filters, and the Air Doctor is now uh, cost-effective for almost everyone. And it filters down to, I think it's 0.009 microns. And so it has the ultra HEPA plus carbon filter. So that's one thing people can do in addition to having the ductworks clean. And number two, make sure the humidity indoors never exceeds 50%. That's and the people living in Florida are going, what a question for you about getting your air ducts cleaned. Do you need to hire somebody specific or can, is that safe for, you know, I think of things going airborne, right? So are most companies, are they doing it the right way or do we need to, does it need to be some kind of specialized remediation company? So I would think you would want to seal off the vents. You know, I'm admittedly not an expert on ductwork. I'm throwing under the bus here. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. (laughs) I would think you would definitely want to seal off the vents, you know, while they're being cleaned. And then, you know, depending on the size of your home, in general, the air doctor covers about 900 square feet. So two-story homes going to need at least, and some of the other, if you want a different brand, it's always better to get multiple small air filters than one huge air filter. Yeah, it's amazing advice. So important, really so important. My my daughter literally yesterday, she had been on a trip. She has her own apartment and has been traveling a lot. She's okay. between graduation and grad school. And she noticed it's the third trip in a row where she gets home and she tanks. She's inflamed. She doesn't feel well. And I said, I bet it's the apartment. And she said, you know, my air filter has been running. She has a, a high-end air filter that's also very good. I would say, no, can hold its own with Air Doctor. And she said it literally is just, you know, she knows there's something in her apartment. She's about to move out of that apartment, although she's moving to Scotland where she'll be living in something <laughs> hundreds of years old. So right. <laughs> hopefully she can get an air doctor over there. But you know, she was able to to even just, you know, A, feel it and then B, be like, yeah, and my air filter agrees. It is just trying to get this stuff out of the air for me. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing I would tell people is that, you know, if you have a family, one or two people in the family may have no symptoms. Right. The other family members They both may have, or all three may have severe symptoms, but they may all be different. So for one person, it can be brain fog and cognition, one person insomnia and mood swings, another person just overall fatigue and malaise. So uh, don't rule out mold based on... that. Yeah. You name it. Somebody said to me, you know, well, what are the symptoms? And I was like, are, Anything. I'm, are you free all day? You know, I mean, literally, I can't think of one thing that couldn't possibly be connected to. So do you, 
what, what's your approach? Do you have every, in my programs, everybody that comes to me, because again, they're already dealing with chronic health issues. We test, we always test, but, but what about you? What's your kind of criteria? Or how, how do you handle that with people? So I usually start with the organic acids test from okay. Great Plains Laboratory, yeah. because there's a few markers, about four or five markers on there that can indicate several types of mold. And if that's positive, I'll usually do the urine mycotoxins test. And people say, well, why do you do that test? It's not gonna change things. But actually it does because the molecular weight of each mycotoxin is slightly different. Therefore the binders have to be customized. And so I would love to have a blanket recommendation but you know we want to rule out that you're not still being exposed on a daily basis then we want to make sure your bowels are moving and then start binding up the mold i love that you said that you guys you're not going to heal if you're continually being exposed i i just i've never seen anybody be able to clear. And I love that you brought up, you know, bowel motility. People tend to look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, it's a detox pathway people like it's, you know, and, and that's another area where what you may think what normal for you is, isn't necessarily optimal. I mean, I have had grown adults come to me and tell me, oh no, their GI system is great. Their bowel movements are normal. And then I find out they're having like two a week. Like, right. No, that's not I, yeah. normal. Nor I know is it what optimal. you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. you know, one thing I'll say is that, you know, if you go to an environmental medicine doctor or clinic to mm -hmm. get treated for mold, one of the first things they do is an oxygen concentrator. And so that gets back to my first point about the yeah. jaw. I mean, a supplemental oxygen can be very good. You know, they have the oxygen bars and everything. You can get home units, but you want to make sure that you're able to breathe properly first. I love that because again, we need oxygen and we're, if we're trying to correct systems that are oxygen depleted to begin with, it's an uphill battle that we are going to lose. Yes, absolutely. And one point I wanted to make is that a lot of times people hear mold toxicity and they sort of think that's the same thing as a mold allergy. You mm -hmm. can have both, but mold toxicity is a separate issue. It's the bioaccumulation of mycotoxins over a period of time. An allergy would be an allergic IgE right. re mediated response to mycotoxins. I'm so glad that you brought that up. It's it's definitely, and again, from what I've seen, that mycotoxin toxicity is almost always, and if not mycotoxin, then some, whether it's environmental or metals, it's almost always one of the players. And as you said, it can exacerbate symptoms or trigger symptoms from something else. Mycotoxins and Lyme, you know, those are dirty players together and very common. And I'll give your listeners and you a tip. I'll save you about ten dollars to $20,000. You won't get the metals out, even with chelation, until you get the mycotoxins out. Ah, there it you go. It has to do with the molecular weight. Got to go after those mycotoxins first. So for those, and I see it all the time. Oh, well, my doctor ran a heavy metals test. I did, a, you know, they did a challenged, and I'm like, just heavy metals? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Why just right. heavy metals? Um, so 
Plus, the heavy metals could be under biofilms. Yep. This has been probably a lot for listeners (laughs) to digest. No, it's fantastic. It's, It's so key. And again, these are things I literally, I see day in and day out in my practice. And I had no idea what the answer to the two things was going to be. And so I, I'm so excited that it, it is both of those between the apnea and the mycotoxins. It's literally almost every time we test, that's, it's definitely an issue. So uh, that is amazing. What is one step? Because we just gave like a ton, (laughs) but what's one step listeners, whether they know, they don't know, what's one thing everybody listening can do today to start to move their health in the right direction? Start breathing only through your nose. Ah. Even if it's just an hour a day, or even start with 20 to 30 minutes a day, both inhale and exhale through your nose. Now, the caveat is you have to have nasal patency, which means the you know uh, nostrils are dilated essentially or wide enough. And so if you don't have that, or you have mycotoxins that have colonized the paranasal sinuses, you won't be able to do that. So you'll have to go and address that first. But it, I think it's certainly worth starting a program where you try to breathe consciously 20 to 30 minutes a day and build on that that will calm the autonomic nervous system. And for listeners, underneath your diaphragm, you have a lot of parasympathetic fibers. So that's why deep diaphragmatic breathing helps to balance the nervous system. Well, and I know I'm supposed to wrap it there, but I have to follow it up with one more question. Mouth taping, are you a fan? If somebody has handled all the other things, you're talking about breathing through your nose. Uh, are you? Is that something you think is a good idea? So most people, even without a sleep study, you know, after my colleague taught me this stuff, you start looking at people differently and you can say, yeah, that person has an airway issue. And so you have to, you know, establish yes, nasal yeah. patency first, because if you go and just start taping the mouth, And, you know, you can't, it's like breathing through a coffee stirrer versus a garden hose. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, mouth taping can be good, but if you have to breathe through your mouth. Structure in place. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Dr. Tim, where's the best place for listeners to find you? We're going to include all your links in the show notes, but for those that are listening on the go, where can they find out more about you? Yeah. So my website is healyourbody.org and it'll be in the show notes as well. And I'd like to offer your listeners 10% discount on an initial consultation. Which is amazing. And the link to that discount will also be in show notes. You can use code Julie24 for that. And I encourage you to check out Dr. Tim, book a consult, see what he can do for you. Dr. Tim, thank you so much. You have shared so many amazing tips with us today. Thank you so much. And thank you for the work that you're doing. For everyone listening, remember, you can get the show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.